Hey, turn with me to Proverbs 31. Uh, we're going to look at, uh, I think, a fitting passage for today. I, I would like to uh, share uh, special happy Mother's Day greetings to all of our moms out there. Being a mom is probably one of the most thankless jobs out there, and so it's appropriate for us today to take time and say thank you. Kids, you can be dismissed for Children's Church. I also realize that Mother's Day can be a day that holds different emotions for us for different reasons. For those who are seeking to be a mom and are not, and for those who have lost their mom, and also for those who are missing children today. And so today as we study God's Word, I pray that we can all see God's comfort for our lives. So let's pray together and ask the Holy Spirit to uh, guide our hearts in the study of His Word. Our God and Father, we thank You. Uh, We're grateful, God, that we can gather to worship You. You are worthy, worthy above all. It's a humble thought for us to know that You have done such an amazing work in our lives through the cross of Jesus, Your Son, that we can come before a holy God and be forgiven and righteous and in a very real way stainless through the blood of Jesus that we can approach you and sing your praises and you receive that and you are honored by it. And so we, we are grateful, God, for this time of worship. We thank you for this day that we set aside to celebrate our moms. We thank you, Father, for blessing us with such caring people. We pray for those this morning that are in this journey of figuring out, maybe because of different circumstances and situations, just various feelings and thoughts. We pray for those that are desperately longing to be a mom, and we we pray that you would be a comfort to them. For those that have lost a mom, we pray, Father, that your peace would guard their hearts. We pray for those moms out there that are praying for their children uh, in various ways. We pray that you would just encourage them and uphold them. We thank you, Father, because your word tells us that you are the greatest comfort that we could ever have, that you would be close to us today. And uh, Father, that you would strengthen our our spirits, that as you call us to Christ-likeness, that we would respond in faith. And Father, that we would be strengthened through your spirit as we hear your word. God, I pray that your spirit would um, control and... and, um, Uh, speak uh, on my behalf as I've prepared to study your word this week and that we would hear you. We thank you for your faithfulness to us and again for your son Jesus who is a great savior. We lift up his name today above all names for it's in Christ's name we ask this. Amen. 
As we begin our study in Proverbs 31, it's that all-familiar passage in Scripture directed towards women that I need to confess in some ways a message like this is above my pay grade. I'm not a mom. And so, you know, as I prepare to share the Word of God this morning, um, I understand that um, there is a unique calling and there is a unique perspective of motherhood that I will never appreciate personally. I, I get a firsthand view of it every day in our home, but to, to actually be in the midst of it in my spirit, it's not there. And so I don't dare assume that I know the ins and outs, the pressures and the burdens. And because of a fallen humanity and living in a fallen world, it may seem overwhelming to come to a text like Proverbs 31 and think, how will I ever measure up? This is the passage, and it's, it's maybe titled in your Bibles, the description of a virtuous woman or a worthy woman. And sometimes you read headings like that and think, oh my, how will I ever measure up? Let me read the text to you. We're going to be in Proverbs 31. I'm going to read verses 10 through 31. This is what Solomon, or, well, uh, King Lemuel received from his mother. We think it's King Solomon. Uh, We're not sure who this uh, king is. He's not recorded in Old Testament history. The assumption is it's likely Solomon. Why it's a different name, we're not sure. But this is what King Lemuel's mother taught him in looking for a virtuous woman. We read, An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above Joel's. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She works for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Do you see what I mean about the measuring up? 
I mean, if this was written, an excellent husband who could find, and this is the job description, I'd be like, oh boy. It, it seems overwhelming, right? And doesn't it seem like in the world that we live in that there are not only these internal biblical spiritual pressures, but the pressures from a world that says to be a woman in a 21st century culture, to be a mother, to be a wife, to be someone that is engaged in this kind of culture, there's a whole nother list of expectations that seem overwhelming. You read a passage like this, and it seems like Scripture is painting some kind of Wonder Woman kind of perspective. Minus the gold lasso. Okay, my wife got that one. My aim today is not for, if you're with your husband today, for your husband to sit next to you, nudging you along the way, saying, hey, did you see what the scriptures said? And guys, if you do that, I'm going to tell your wives right now, come see me after the church service because we're going to need to have a talk. But more than that, I think we get caught up in the unrealistic expectations, every, even ones that we put on ourselves, that we have to be a certain way and do a certain thing. And, and we just seem overwhelmed with, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. We look at what we see as everyone else seems to have it figured out. And we can even approach a list like this and think, I don't know how I'm ever going to measure up. And today... I pray this message will not be a message of, oh no, what am I not doing? But I pray this message will encourage you, mothers, to see the grace of God in a new way for your life and along the way, the blessings that God gives. God isn't calling you today to be Wonder Woman. God is calling you in your calling as a child of God to be a wife and a mother that seeks the face of God. That is the aim of Proverbs. It's practical wisdom that will guide our lives as we follow the Lord. It would be easy for us to say, well, Proverbs 31, that seemingly impossible passage, look at all the things that I have to do. But if there's anything that I want you to hear, and we read through the list, right? We read... 21, 22 verses in Scripture, and it seems very specific in the kinds of things that this excellent, virtuous woman does for her home, for her children, for her husband. You can look at that list, and you can miss the big picture. There really is a key that unlocks the door into what we're looking at this morning, and it's found in verse 30. So I'm going to give you the end of my sermon first. Because I don't want you to miss everything else in the details of what we're going to look at. Verse 30 in Proverbs 31 is the key that unlocks the door to everything else. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. The woman who fears the Lord. If you remember... Now, a few weeks ago, as we studied or opened up our study in Proverbs, in Proverbs 1, verse 7, that the beginning of knowledge 
is the fear of the Lord. This fear of the Lord theme is found all throughout this book because we cannot live wisely in a world that is fallen and corrupt by God's guidance unless we begin by fearing God. What does it mean to fear God? To leave Him at His appropriate position as Lord, as Savior, as King. That He is holy and set apart. And that He wishes His subjects, His children well. That His calling is not a burden, but it is a delight. And that we respond by faith to this calling for our lives. Not in Fear of being afraid of his disappointment, but in fear of praise for his goodness on our behalf. And so for us today, for our mothers out there, for our wives out there, fear God. Begin there. Let that be the starting point of your walk with God. And let out of the overflow of that, all of these other things fall into place. If you start doing all the things on this list first without fearing God and think, okay, I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to figure this out. I mean, you look at the list and it it seems like in Proverbs 31, the woman never sleeps. Did you get that when you read the passage? She's up before dawn. Her lamp never runs out of oil. It's like she's early to bed, early to rise. She's like the merchant ships that goes out and brings in all the produce. She buys land. She plants a vineyard. Her, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband sings her, her praises. I mean, it's just like, oh my word. I can tell you that even on my best day, I miss the opportunities to praise my wife, to thank her for the godly woman that she is. And I'm sure, and I know that it's overwhelming for her, raising a family, taking care of me. That's hard work. Wait, why are you amening that for me? (laughs) Oh, okay, yeah, okay, thanks. So, I just want you to know this morning, ladies, fear God. Follow Him. Whatever your expectations are of what home life should be, what family life should be, where you fit in in a world that is seemingly going a million miles an hour with everything that is going on in our schedules and life and keeping up with what everyone else is doing, fear God. Start there. Stay there. End there. You don't need to do anything else. The greatest gift that you have to give to your children, to your grandchildren, and to your husbands is to fear God and follow Him. It's the greatest gift that you can give. Now, women and girls are usually the ones who go to Proverbs 31 and say, here's the kind of woman that I'm supposed to be. But this text is first written to teenage boys. 
Likely, very likely. Um, I, I, I shared at the beginning as I read the text. This text is written right in verse 1. Proverbs 31, verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. And so this king that we're not sure of, it's, it's likely Solomon. If it's not Solomon, we're not sure. But it made its way under the inspiration of the scriptures into God's infallible true word that this king was relating what his mother taught him. The sayings of the king's mother. Of what? The kind of woman he should be looking for. And so, you see a different perspective. If you're single today, if you're a teenage young man today, you should be listening to this text. Why? Because this is the kind of woman that God would want you to seek out as a wife to build a life with. An excellent wife. That's the question, right? That's the statement that begins this all. Who can find? Now, I've never heard of a boy's or a teenage youth retreat studying Proverbs 31. But that's who this passage is primarily for. But with that in mind, I do think women are the secondary audience, and it's good for young girls. So if you're a teenage girl, it's good for you to read this passage and think, okay, in a world of unseemingly endless expectations of how I look and what I do, and where I find my value, and who should I belong with, and all those things that are hitting against society today. If you're a young girl today, this is the example of what God would want for you in your life. And I can tell you this very clearly, because I've lived in the same world that you live in. This is not the blueprint or the job description that the world is saying that a young woman should be. It's not. They look at this list and think, no way are we going to do that. And so there's going to be this challenge, this struggle, but by faith, if we trust God and believe His Word is true, that if we aspire to fear God first, And out of the overflow of fearing God, lean in and listen to what His Word says as guidance for our souls. That this job description, if I can call it that, leads to life and blessing. It does. Absolutely it does. These are not suggestions. This is the way of wisdom. And God calls us to such. And just so you know, or just so you all don't think that I'm letting men off the hook today, you know, it's like, whew, okay, you know, this one's for her today. Men, on your own, you should be aspiring to be the kind of man that is described in Job 31 and Psalm 112. Mark down Job 31 and Psalm 112. There's your job description. It's pretty amazing. 
It's amazing to me, and I'm thankful that God doesn't leave us in the unknown to figure these things out. But he very clearly, in his care for us, calls us. He calls us to an example of godliness. And he helps us. He helps us on that path when we fear him. Now, guys, if you're with me, don't read Job 31, Psalm 112 right now. Ladies, don't read it now and nudge them as they're nudging you. You know, read that later. These, pa- these verses and passages, and this is very important for us to understand, these verses and passages are not to be used as sledgehammers pulverizing others into submission. And you know what I mean by that, right? And it's not the heavy-handed, like, boom, but it's the, you know, the, the subtle comment. It's the, oh, not so subtle reminder. It's the, you know, when our sin nature gets in the way and we think, hey, what are you doing or not doing? God does not want us to use his word as a sledgehammer. But God offers clear wisdom on, on, on who and what we should be as we pursue him in this life. I praise God that he gives us clear help. He not only calls us to godliness, but also gives us the ways that we can pursue him. He doesn't say, fear me, period, end of story. He says, fear me, and this is what it looks like. This is what your life looks like. Before we look at the text specifically, I I do want to point out a literary feature that we miss in the English language as we read Proverbs 31. Verses 10 through 31 in this poem uh, produce what is an acrostic. Uh, Maybe some of you kids out there, if you went to school, you, you remember studying acrostic poetry or acrostics in general, right? You take a word and you, you lay it out um, top to bottom this way, vertically, and then you build off of it. Each letter of that word stands for something else. Well, Proverbs 31 is an acrostic in the Hebrew literature. It's 22 uh, verses. Each letter of the verse begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's much like Psalm 119 in a larger sense as we listen to God's word. And what do we know about the Hebrew culture? We know about the Hebrew culture that they were an oratory culture. Like they memorized scripture. They memorized large, very large portions of scripture. If there was a wana in the Old Testament, everybody would get the Timothy Award for memorizing all the passages and all the books that they had to memorize because they didn't have all the scrolls that they could carry around with them. And so they memorized these large portions. And to help along the way, God inspired the writers of Scripture to insert these literary uh, pictures to help them memorize the Word. What's interesting is Proverbs 31 was often recited by Jewish husbands and children around the Sabbath table on Friday night in the Jewish home. Men and children, you would do well to recite these words and recite them to your wife and mother. 
Could you imagine just sitting around a table and singing the praises? If you're a husband to the woman that God gave you, if you're a child to the mother God gave you, But this is all part of how God wants us to treasure His Word and remind ourselves of, the, of His Word. And so the question that begs answer in this passage is, who is the woman that fears the Lord? What does she look like? What does she do? What's going on inside of her? Well, the first thing is in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find for her worth is far above jewels. First, she is noble. The word excellent in verse 10 means noble or virtuous. It carries the idea of courage and determination. It's the same word used in Joshua 1 verse 14 to describe the valiant warriors that would join Joshua in crossing the Jordan to take over the promised land. A woman who has strength of character and with, as the rest of the passage explaining, has virtue as a result of her godliness is a woman, what? Well, uh, King Lemuel heard from his mother, her worth is far above jewels. So if if you want to test this out, um, is it the Smithsonian that has the Hope Diamond? I remember seeing it in one of our trips. But if you go to the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., there's an exhibit to the Hope Diamond, this huge diamond that's you know, was gifted as a, an exhibit, right? It's this huge, huge diamond. I can't rem- remember how big it is. If you want to Wikipedia it and shout it out, nah, don't do that. But go there, look at that, and consider the value. I mean, it's, you, you can't really attach a value to it. That's the point. King Lemuel heard from his mother that if you find a woman who fears God, she is more valuable than that. That's the value of godliness in a fallen world. The sense of the verse isn't that an excellent wife is impossible to find. Right? An excellent wife, who can find? It's not like, hey, they're not out there. It's like when you find her, her value is immeasurable. That is why it's entirely appropriate to have a day like this, Mother's Day. To praise God for the gift of an excellent wife, husbands and children, don't just wait until Mother's Day to sing their praises, though. Or don't just wait until your anniversary. Some Thursday afternoon in the middle of the year, If God so burdens you, sing her praises. She's noble. Secondly, she's trustworthy. Verse 11 highlights this. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. Verse... uh, Way back in Genesis 2.18, we read that God created Eve for Adam. 
God saw that Adam was alone. He had just named the animals, saw them come two by two, saw that there was no suitable helper for him, that he was alone. And so God put him to sleep, and out of his rib, he created Eve, a helper. The word gain in verse 11 indicates a spoil of war. The husband can trust his wife wholly because she's using the resources of the family in a trustworthy manner. The man's heart is entrusted to his bride. There is a sense of vulnerability here. That's what trust is built on, a sense of vulnerability. Listen, our marriage relationships should be rooted in an unwavering trust. The challenge is, right, what happens if that trust is infringed upon? What if it's broken? Then we have the message of grace and forgiveness, of restoration and reconciliation. We have the message of the gospel, the hope of Jesus that restores We don't just wait until the first mistake and say, hey, God, I tried and move on. We serve low and we stay there as we follow the example of our Savior. The woman that fears the Lord is trustworthy. Third, she is faithful. Verse 12 reads, she does him good the husband, and not evil all the days of her life. Now, verse 12 says that she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. There's a building up, a desire to succeed. Her desire is for the good of her husband and family. Listen, the world portrays a Christianity where God is anti-feminist, right? They do. They look at churches. They look at God's people. They look at the structure of the Bible, and they say, no, no. God got it wrong, or the Christians got it wrong. But that's not even in the text. That's nowhere in Scripture. I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again. There is nothing more safe for the relationships in a Christian home for each person to understand their place in God's order for the family. There is nothing more safe and we see this spelled out and played out in 1 Corinthians 11.3. That Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of every woman. There's nothing more safe in that, because when everyone understands the way that God made them and put them and fit them into the progression of the family, we see these umbrellas of protection, of care. But a sinful world looks at that and says, no, you're, you're keeping the woman down. No. We look at verses like Ephesians 5.25. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, and husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And people cling to those verses and say, oh, submit? No, we don't want to do that today. The problem is we're not submitting to God first as authority, and we mess everything else up. That passage, Paul isn't teaching anything that the woman should remain as a slave to the husband. Not at all. 
but their safety in the relationships that God has created. Spiritually speaking, there is no distinction between male or female. Paul settled that in Galatians 3. Functionally speaking in the home, there is a framework, a blueprint for the strength and dignity of God in the home. And God will not waver on those things. He will not bend to the cries of culture because they say, well, that doesn't seem fair or right. There is nothing more beautiful than a home that trusts God for its leading. Because it is a picture to the world of what? Well, borrowing the same imagery from Ephesians 5, it's a picture to a lost world of Christ's love for the church. It's a picture of the gospel. The godly woman, the one who fears the Lord, is faithful. Now, in the next few verses, verses 13 through 19 and verse 27, we see somewhat of the job description, the characteristics. Can I just summarize and say, the woman who fears the Lord, she's hardworking. We get the sense of that. She looks for wool and flax. You know what flax is? You grow it. And then you have to dry it. And then you have to separate it. And then you have to braid it. It takes hours and hours and hours for flax to be made into a suitable uh, thread or sewing use kind of thing. Um, Her work, though, as the scripture says, is what? It's a delight. She works with her hands in delight. Now, I'm not saying that I always hear my wife say at the, the dish, when the dishes are being done, praise the Lord for these dirty dishes. But what I'm saying is, the woman who fears God understands that the work that God gives her for what? Taking care of the home, taking care of her husband, is a delight to her. She manages the home with care. How? By rising by night and bringing food from afar. Now, this is written a long, long time ago. There wasn't giant or BGs or anything like that. But this goes into the preparation. She considers the financial needs of the home. And what does she do? She considers a field and buys it. She prepares for the future as a steward of the resources God gives, but not allowing her lamp to go out at night. It doesn't mean that she works all night, that's not the point, but that she anticipates the needs of her family and there's enough oil for the lamp and when the work is done because she is preparing, the lamp goes off and you go to sleep. Verse 19 summarizes verse 13. The distaff and spindle are tools that were used to spin wool or flax by hand. She is preparing what is needed. Now, can we just pause for a a moment and say what the passage isn't saying in the job description? That if you are not some kind of little house on the prairie woman, then there is something wrong. That's not what 
we get from this passage. Listen, the principles of the verses are true in a primitive culture as in a contemporary culture. It's a call to virtue in what you do in preparing your home and your family for the needs that they have. That's the principle. There's a continued care for her home and also for the community. Look at verse 20. This highlights the the care for the poor and needy that are ministered to. Compassion and kindness mark the woman that fears the Lord. She's also wise in her ways, as verses 21 and 22 and verses 24 and 25 indicate. She is virtuous in that the future does not surprise her. She's not caught off guard. She has planned and prepared. Whether snow, which was rare in the Middle Eastern world that they lived in, but it, was, it did snow on the highest peaks in Jerusalem, or around Jerusalem, and in northern Israel. It it snowed there. But when it would snow, it wasn't like, oh my word, what are we going to do? We don't have any winter jackets. No, she prepared, and the family had what it needed. And what's interesting, and and I, I love this phrase, it's so instructive about everything that this king received from his mom. She smiles at the future. It's an interesting phrase. What does it mean? Nothing will catch her off guard. She is so prepared that whatever happens, she's like, it's going to be okay. Because I know who God is, and he has helped me to prepare for the needs of my home and my family. She smiles at the future. She knows what the seasons bring, both tangible and intangible. In our home, we have a master calendar. We have one of those erase white, you know, uh, I can't even think of the word. Dry race calendars, I know. It's Sunday, there's a lot going on. It's all full, probably too full. And then we have calendars synced on our phones. Blue is my work schedule, yellow is the family schedule. At any moment, I can look and say, okay, this is what's coming down the road. In the, in the midst of the events of life, there's preparation. There's a a sense of we know where we're going. We know where we're headed and it's going to be okay. Verses 23 and 28 and 31 speaks to the honor of the virtuous woman. Verse 23 says her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. The elders of the land were the the spiritually mature, wise people that were known in communities and her husband would sit at the gate. This is where they would sit. It was the place of prominence in society. Her husband is known well, known in positive ways because of the care and concern that his wife brings to him. She trusts him. He trusts her. Her children, and it's verse 28, and children, today is Mother's Day. Hear this verse. Her children rise up and bless her. 
her husband also and praises her. Her children arise up and bless her. Words of affirmation clothe a godly woman. We're not talking about um, flattery. Right? We all know what flattery is. Saying something to someone's face that really we don't believe is true. It's not being over the top. It's not saying all these things that we hope to be true. It's singing the praises of the godly woman that God has given us for the dignity and virtue that she shows in her character every day on our behalf. Children that are raised in the fear of the Lord are stewarded by the grace and mercy of Jesus. Those children bless their mothers. Listen, if you're a child of any age, if you're an adult child here today, and you grew up in a home where your mother feared the Lord, and she raised you to know Jesus Christ, praise God for her. Sing her praises. Bless her. Not just today. Be creative. Find opportunities. The woman who fears the Lord opens her mouth, and as verse 26 indicates, in wisdom and in teaching of kindness, it's on her tongue. This is a wife and a mother who points her husband and children to Scripture. Opinions don't matter. They don't matter. God's truth matters. But it's done with kindness, with the goal of Christ-likeness. The best gift a godly woman can give to her family is to love Jesus and be rooted in his word. Out of the overflow, God will use his truth to guide the heart of the family towards him. And then in verse 30, you have this summary statement. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Listen, outward beauty is a vain pursuit. I'm not saying that, you, you know, don't ever take a shower again. Or don't ever comb your hair again. What I'm saying, though, is that true beauty is inward beauty. Young people, listen to me right now. The most important thing that you should care about in a person that you believe God is putting in your life to pursue is not what is on the outside, but what is on the inside. A heart that fears God. If this, and I believe it is, a proverb written to young men as wisdom in seeking a wife, then let it be known, men, that the greatest beauty that a woman can show you is the inward beauty that she fears the Lord. Don't settle for less. Did you ever notice how culture and society is trying to prolong their prime years? You know, with all these potions and goos and surgeries and all sorts of stuff. Lifts and tucks and removals and all that kind of thing. Right? Because they're trying to hold on to something that they know isn't going to last. 
You know what doesn't wear out? Fearing God and the virtue that it creates in the heart. In fact, it doesn't decrease with time. It increases. It's amazing. So there it is, right? May seem just a bit overwhelming. Please don't run home and spend your day writing a three-month grocery list if you don't have one or buzzing around the house trying to clean everything up that you thought, oh, I'll get to it. That's not the picture of virtue. It's not the doing. As the king heard from his mom, it's not the doing, but it's who you are. It's fearing God. That's the virtue. The doing is not in and of itself the way to find the virtue. It's the overflow of the virtue. Husbands, if you care for your wife's soul, and I I hope you do, but if you care for her soul, make space for her to grow in her fear of God. Pray with her. Read Scripture together. Celebrate God's grace and mercy together. Children, if your mom knows Jesus, know that she has done a lot of behind-of-scenes work in your life. Countless hours praying for you. There may be moments that haven't been perfect. But hey, you haven't been perfect too. Sorry, I won't look directly over here. Show her the grace that she shows you. The grace that has been shown us through the cross of Jesus. And may the Lord help all wives and mothers in our midst to make this virtuous woman their pattern to emulate. How desperately we need such women today in the midst of a changing world. Women of spiritual and moral distinction. Women who earn the praise of man and of God because they are bold enough to fulfill their God-given roles well so that the Lord will be glorified in and through them. Let's pray.